If you have your Bible in Acts chapter 2, you can um, turn there. If you don't have a Bible, uh, you can go grab one off the side of the tech booth. If you uh, need one to borrow one, feel free. If you need to just grab it and take it with you because you don't have a Bible, you can read and understand. It is our gift to you. That's not a problem. Uh, as well, if you're a user of the Bible app, uh, feel free to open it right now. You could track along with our live event. Um, you will find the scriptures and sermon notes and other things there uh, as well. Okay, in Acts chapter 2, um, last week, uh, Cade so graciously volunteered, um, kind of last minute, uh, to preach and uh, walked us through um, when Pentecost came, just so that everybody's on the same page. Jesus has died. He has come back from the dead. He has spent 40 days with the apostles. He has commissioned them back to Jerusalem. He said, you need to be there and waiting on the Spirit, the promise that I've given. Um, they pray. The Spirit comes, uh, he uses them to speak in, in languages and for hearers to hear in languages that they didn't ought not, that ought not be, okay? But that is what happened. And they were declaring, it says, the mighty works of God. And we're actually gonna pick up in verse 13 and then walk down uh, for a few verses, ready? Uh, but others said, uh, excuse me, others mocking said they are filled with new wine, okay? So they're, they've hit the sauce a little early, is what they're saying. Verse 14, uh, but Peter, Acts chapter two, verse 14, but Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Now, before we get to what Peter actually said, can we just pause for a second? Uh, Peter gets the credit in Acts chapter two for being the guy who stands up and talks, but there are other people around him who make him look good. I'm simply saying that because just an hour or so ago, we celebrated a man who has supported everybody who's ever been up on this stage and has made them look good. So I just, I want you to know that this isn't, this isn't simply a, a, a moment here uh, where we as a church are celebrating. This is, this, is in the, this is in a stream that has been happening for a long, long time. Um, just Roger has ministered to us. He has filled gaps for us. He has uh, uh, um, spoke with wisdom into our, our lives. Even though somebody else had the microphone, even though somebody else was on stage, uh, there were 11 standing with Peter. Enough said. Men of Judea, he says in verse 14, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only the third hour of the day. In other words, it's only nine o'clock, all right? The bars aren't even open yet. I mean, like they couldn't, they're not hungover. They're not drunk. Verse uh, 16 now. Uh, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And before we get to what he actually utters, I just want to pause for a second and talk about that. That, that particular verse, verse 16. Uh, the, the heart of this series has been, we would kind of capitalize on the momentum coming out of Harvey in the fall and all those good things. And we would see the spirit of God do some inward transformation in us. And then it would push us outward in transformational ministry. That's, that's our heart all throughout this inward transformation that then moves outward in ministry. Um, and so in light of that, I, what I want to talk about this morning is that, that phrase, this is what, or, or some of your Bibles may say, this is that which Joel spoke about. The, the whole idea is that there would be an explanation of the experience. So we've got this big experience, right? Spirit comes, tongues of fire, people speaking in different languages, hearing in different languages, the works of God being declared. And now all of the people are standing around going, uh, those guys, they must have had one heck of a Super Bowl party. That's what they're saying. And Peter stands up and goes, listen, you want to talk about something, let's, let's explain this experience. Let's give an explanation to what is happening. And that prompts in me a couple of things. Number one, 
Um, when it comes to explaining this experience, number one, th- this question, like, uh, um, do you have an experience to explain? I want to live a life I want to. I want us to, as a church to live a life as a church family that our lives are so consequential and they're so kind of, if you will, otherworldly and out of step with our culture that we would have to have something to explain. Why in the world would you be so forgiving? Why in the world would you dare be so generous? How can you wrap arms of compassion around somebody like that? What, what do you mean that you would have mercy on this person or speak up on behalf of this person or look at a situation that is, uh, that is uh, you know, it just seems broken and step into it with words of justice and grace both. Like, how dare you be those kind of people? And the answer would be because we have something. We have an experience. We believe that Jesus has done something for us. Do you have something to explain? I want our lives to be that consequential. I want there to be a ripple, if you will, that kind of waves out onto the shore and people all standing on the shore going, huh, what just happened here? I want our lives to be like that. The danger, the danger is this. The danger is we start speaking beyond our experience. We talk about things that we are not actually living and it, and it, it proves very quickly uh, to be hollow and shallow and superficial. Just a brief example. I know we have some Louisiana people in here. I'm just going to go on record as being stupid, okay? Here I am. You ready? I'm 20 years old, uh, full of self-righteousness, religion, and insecurity, all right? I'm riding in a van with a bunch of college students. Uh, two folks from South Louisiana get to talking about Boudin. For the uninitiated, I still don't know what boudin is. Please don't bring me any. I'm not sure I'd like it. Okay, like I just, I'm good. All right, I just want you to know that I'm okay. But this is what's happening. So from three rows up, I turn around to join the conversation because I want to be a part. I start talking, and, and uh, it becomes very quickly that I, very clear that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Everybody in the van knows I don't know what I'm talking about. I know that I don't know what, I have no experience with Boudin, okay? Uh, later that night, I'm kind of sitting alone in the dorm room where I am, thinking about uh, that experience and how humiliating it was, perfectly, rightfully so, uh, and, and, and having this conversation with the Lord, and the Lord says something that goes like this. Hey, some people do that with me too. They speak about things that they don't know. Very tenderly. Don't be that kind of person. That's a good plan. <laughs> That's a good plan. I want to I speak about things that I know. I want to speak about things that I experience. I want us to have something to explain and not speak beyond our own experience. Okay, now here's, here's the... the up here. Uh, this is what, or this is that, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And so this follow-up question is, if, if you have something to explain, can you point to the Bible in doing so? I am 100% for us, you and me, living a life that has these kind of experiences with God. What we also ought to be able to do is say, this is that. You want to know what's going on? We see it in the Bible. Because that then, when we, can, when we can root our experiences in the scripture, what that does for you and for me is it deepens our understanding of what God is teaching us, and it also gives a context to understand what God is doing in the world around us. 
It's not simply, oh, we always have to find, no, 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 it's not that. It's that there's an understanding factor and a deepening factor of what God is doing and what he is teaching us. So can you point to the Bible? Can you do what Peter said? This is that. This is what Joel said. This is that. Um, And and so the, the final exhortation, and this is just pastoral for us as a family, as a church family. Um, don't seek the experience. Seek God. What do you mean by that? Uh, some people make idols out of their experience. I, I, I got to go and do this. I got to go do this. So that, so that seeking the experience becomes the end all be all. Don't do that. Seek God. You're in a relationship with the living God of the universe. He can do as he pleases with you and with me. Seek God. Don't, don't seek the experience. Seek God. Okay, following so if that is explaining, if you will, the experience, what did, what did Peter say was the explanation? What was the explanation? Here we go. You ready? Um, picking up in verse 17. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Okay, so what, what was the explanation? I just want to point a couple of things out as we walk through uh, Joel's work here. Uh, first of all, he says in the explanation, these are the last days. When the Bible talks about the last days, here's how it talks about it. That there was a point, of, if you will, of inauguration, and then it kind of carries on until the point where it is finally done. And it sees every one of those, all of the days between, as the last days. Okay, so when did the last days start? The last days started <clears throat> Excuse me, with the... Um, um, Life and death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus and the sending of the Spirit. He says, this is when the last days have begun. And then he looks down the hallway of time, so to speak, and he says, and then there's a time coming when creation will be kind of unrestrained from its groanings, and it will be so, the heaving of creation will be so crazy that stuff will happen out of normal things. Look, if you will, in verse 20, the sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day these kind of last days. So inaugurated uh, by Jesus coming and living and dying and rising and ascending and then sending the spirit and and, um, consummated with this kind of creation uh, um, unhinged and then finally completed when Jesus himself splits the sky, comes back and sets everything right. So the question is, um, I mean, I read the papers. Don't you think we're in the last days? And what's the Bible answer? Yes, we are. That's exactly right. Don't you think we're closer today than we have ever been before? Yes, and we could have said that about yesterday too. I'm not trying to poke fun. I'm simply trying to say some of us get so wrapped around what's going on in the culture or in the world or what somebody said on some website. Look, Jesus has said we're in the last days. Let's live faithfully until he comes back and gets us. Amen? Let's be those kind of people. Don't, Don't miss out on what he desires for you and for me uh, and what he desires to do in you and me by getting caught up in some of that other stuff. These are the last days, for sure. Secondly, he explained, the, the explanation says, last days, yes, but also there's a supernatural life that you and I get to live and be a part of. So here we go, seven, verse, back in verse 17. In the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Let's just stop right there for a moment. 
When you're talking about prophesy, what are we talking about? Oh, New Testament uses it this way, this kind of timely words from the word. We get this um, uh, opportunity to speak things that are true into situations that need the truth. Prophesy. Then he goes on. Um, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. That's kind of supernatural um, insight or experience that happens uh, when, when uh, people are uh, uh, overcome by the Spirit of God and God speaks to them. People are like, well, visions and dreams, like we read about those, but do those still happen today? The answer is yes, those still happen today. Um, we have testimony upon testimony upon testimony of people who are from uh, uh, other countries, particularly uh, uh, Muslim and Buddhists, who have visions and dreams, and that is the, the beginning point of how they begin to understand who Jesus is and what he's done. I and mean, we've got somebody, I won't explain the whole situation, we have somebody in our own church who came to faith precisely because of something exactly like that. Now listen, that's part of supernatural life. Guess what? You and I get to be a part of that. And that's a good thing for us. That's a good thing for us. Um, and then lastly, he says in verse eight, uh, excuse me, 19, I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs uh, on, the earth, uh, on the earth below. So you've got these signs and wonders, these miraculous workings of God, uh, things that cannot be explained. And question, does God do, still do those kinds of things today? What's the answer? Just this morning. How many of you know the name David and Susan Greenlees? They're from Bernie. They're a couple from Bernie that came over and did Harvey ministry like 50 weeks in a row or something crazy. I mean, they just, I'm like, y'all just want to move or something, you know, like we could get you. David and Susan Greenlees. In 2009, Susan bought a, a Bible to give away to, uh, to someone in the military. Wrote on the inside, this is in... Um, uh, in, in the uh, in memoriam for um, uh, my mom and in honor of David's mom, may God bless you. Uh, may God speak to you through this, something like that. Uh, David and Susan Greenlees, Bernie, Texas. She gets a text last night from somebody sitting at a men's conference. And the guy says, yeah, uh, I'm in Bernie because of a Bible. And the guy goes, I don't understand what you're talking about. Somebody provided a Bible to me, and after I retired from the military, it just felt like this is the right place to be in light of what he said. Opens the Bible. There's the inscription. The guy goes, Miss Greenlees, she was like my third grade teacher or whatever it was. Fires off a text. You're never going to believe what just happened. Buys a Bible in 2009, gives it away to the military, guy retires from the military, ends up in the same town sitting next to one of her former students and so that that circle could come complete. Let me ask you something. Who does that? The answer is God does that. These supernatural workings that we, uh, we, we don't have a natural explanation for. So the question comes, and this is an okay question. I'm really not poking fun. I'm really not. Does that make us charismatic? <laughs> if by that, you mean we're going to have a conga line in worship here in a minute. I've seen some of you dance. No. <laughs> if by that, you mean um, as, as some in that stream of, of Christianity uh, are inclined to do that Jesus is here to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise and live, the, fulfill the American dream. No, that's not what the Bible says. If by that you mean a people 
indwelt by the Spirit of God, gifted by the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God to see the kingdom of God come, to see darkness uh, pushed back by light, and to see brokenness replaced by wholeness. Let me tell you, I'm in. I'm in on that. That's who I want to be. That's who I want us to be. A supernatural life. That's the explanation that Peter brings to the table. Thirdly, Everybody gets included. I just want to point back out in verse uh, 17, just walk this down. I will pour out my spirit on how much flesh does it say? Somebody say it out loud. All flesh. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And just in case we don't get it, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So men and women are in on this. Your young men shall uh, shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. In other words, folks who are younger and folks who are older, folks who are still working, folks who are retired, the little ones and the big ones, if you will. On male servants and female servants, why does he specifically call out servants? Because you've got uh, sons and daughters, those people of status, servants, those people of lower status or no status. And then later in Acts chapter 10, just as an expression of this, Peter picks this up uh, when he sees the Spirit come in almost, almost a second Pentecost where the Gentiles get the Spirit just like the Jews did. So, When we say everybody's included, we're talking about men and women. We're talking about young and old. We're talking about those of high society and those of no society. And we're talking about um, Jews and Gentiles. Uh, Religious divisions, spirit doesn't care. Uh, Male, female, gender divisions, spirit doesn't care. Uh, Socioeconomic divisions, spirit doesn't care. Okay, Uh, uh, Age divisions, spirit doesn't care. What does this mean? What does this mean? Everybody's included. That means that the spirit and the ministry and the kingdom is for everybody, not just a special class. There's not a person that we know that we can say this of. God can't use them. God may not for any number of reasons. There's not a person that we know that we would say God cannot. God cannot. It may be influence and not management. Um, It may be an expression of your priesthood instead of a position that you fill, but God is in the business of using people to, to, to move the kingdom forward. He's in that business. Everyone is included. Lastly, the explanation is simple. And I just point out when there's pause here, everyone's included. Um, Everybody was there. Everybody was there bearing witness. Everybody was. All 120 of them that were in the upper room, they were all bearing witness. So to what? To what were they bearing witness? And the answer is to salvation because that's the goal. Salvation is the goal. He says in verse 21, and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is the goal. That he desires forgiveness Um, for everyone, and he desires freedom for everyone. He desires to give eternal life to everyone. Salvation is the goal. That's the whole reason. Not just to have a religious moment, not just to have some supernatural experience, but then to send them outward in ministry, inward transformation, and then outward ministry with salvation as the goal. That's the whole point. That's the whole point. What does that mean then? It means then now everyone gets to be a part of telling everyone. Everyone gets to be a part of telling everyone. To tell them what? Well, to tell them this. This story that God is telling 
It deserves to be told. This news that God has announced deserves to be made known. What exactly are we talking about? Well, keep reading in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. So it's Paul's right there. Where did he start? He started with this. You know what kind of life he lived. That's what he's saying. You know the kind of life he lived. Verse 23, this Jesus, by the way, not some other Jesus. No, no, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Just pause right there. This was not plan B, folks. This was not plan B. God didn't get caught off guard and then have to fix it. There was no software patch for the universe that God had to plug in when the cross happened. Like This is all part of his thing. This is what he was doing. According to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. You know what kind of life he lived, and you know what kind of death he died. In verse 24, but God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You know what kind of life he lived. You know what kind of death he died. And we're telling you the human court made one declaration, but God in his power had a completely different verdict. And he raised Jesus from the dead. And Peter's going, and this is what we're here to tell you folks, is that Jesus has come back from the dead and he has ascended to the right hand. And of this, we are witnesses. And he's going to come on later. We'll look at this next week and say, so in light of that, you need to rethink your thinking. You need to revisit how you understand the world in light of Jesus being alive. Salvation is the goal. Uh, there's a, what is, is it a tennis match, a basketball game? What's happening tonight? I can't remember. I was, golf tournament? Something. At, at least one person in here is very clear on where they stand. C squared, I see you, baby, representing. Uh, yeah, you're watching pregame right now. Good. Um, <laughs> You'll, you'll get to huddle around chips and queso with your neighbors and friends and whatever else. And at some point, the door may very well open to say, hey man, Jesus lived and he died and he's alive. And my life has changed because of it. Before we go to communion, I want to, I want to close with this. Uh, Easter's eight weeks away, in case you're counting. Um, we have 500 plus thousand lost people in this area. Uh, excuse me, 500,000 plus people in the area, over 300,000 are lost that we know of. So here's what I want to do for the next eight weeks, every Sunday, we're going to stop. And we're going to pray specifically for somebody that you know by name who doesn't know Jesus. Why? Because salvation is the goal. We want to see them come into the forgiveness and freedom that we have. So I'm going to invite you to take just a second. Think of that person. Every week we're going to stop and we're going to pray. And then I'm going to lead us in a prayer. It may be somebody very close to you, it may be your neighbor that you haven't spoken to yet. Just take a second. 
Think about who that is. And now let's pray. If you'll just say their name to the Lord. Father, these are neighbors, friends, and co-workers, family members. These are people that we love dearly and people that we barely know. But God, you know every one of them. And we're praying that by your spirit and through the gospel, you would draw them to yourself. Your word says, from the very mouth of Jesus, Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And Father, we're asking for us, for us to be a part of you seeking and saving the lost. Sign us up. Count us in. We pray, Father, that for these names, these people, you would lift the veil from their eyes, You would tear down the strongholds of their life. You would allow them to see and so do a work in them that the most natural thing that could happen is that they would come to Christ. God, give us opportunities to invite folks to church. Give us opportunities to tell our story and give us opportunities to share the gospel. May our lives be consequential. And we pray this in Jesus' name.